Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. And yes, folks, this one goes to 11. Welcome to episode 11. This time we're going to talk about stealth, the realities of stealth camping in a van. We're also going to have a tale from the road involving the mystical place of Texarkana. And we'll have a fascinating conversation about ventilation, how to do it, why to do it, and what to watch out for. Let's go. But first, another clarification, a correction. I got a bit of pushback about my episode last week in which I told a tale of going over the Lippincott Road to Racetrack Playa. Well, folks, that was 13 years ago. And it's possible that my memory is not perfect. In my tale, I mentioned Ubahibi Crater. In fact, what I meant to say was Ubahibi Peak. If you look at a map, you will see that the Lippincott Road goes all the way up to the top, and then there's a tiny little spur road that goes to the very peak itself, Ubahibi Peak. Ubahibi Crater, which is what I said, is on the other side of Racetrack Playa and is not accessible from Lippincott Road. So I apologize for that. Also, someone suggested that maybe the Lippincott Road isn't as rough as I've made it seem. That could be. It's possible that, again, my memory may be faulty, although in this case, I really don't think so. Or maybe the road has been improved in the last 13 years. But the overall message remains, if you're going to go out in the desert, prepare, examine the road you're going to be traveling on. Use Google Satellite to kind of trace your route and see what you're getting into. Travel with two vehicles if you can, and always, always, always have a plan for what you're going to do if you get stuck. One of the words you hear a lot with van life is stealth. Stealth. Stealth conjures up images of stealth fighters or immoral sexual practices or hiding and it's kind of like cool and ooh, you're getting it. Well, anyway, let's talk about some of the realities of stealth vans. Um, for the folks who have maybe have not heard of this concept, the idea is that you build yourself a camper van, but it doesn't look like a camper van. It looks like maybe a plumber's work van or just a generic van or a minivan or even a car. Uh, as I've said before, Priuses are very popular camping vehicles. It's pretty easy to make a Prius stealth, but the stealth thing can kind of get overdone. So um, I'm going to talk about my experience with stealth. I do have a stealth van. That is, I designed my van to not look like a camper. I designed it to be ignorable. So it will fade into the landscape of parking lots and other cars. That was my goal. The idea is that on the outside of your van, you don't want anything to be visible that says, hey, it's a camper. So you don't want windows with curtains in them. You don't want a big air conditioner on the roof if you can help it. You don't want awnings hanging off the side or big graphics that say, I'm a camper. Or maybe, you know, those US map stickers with like every place you visited. All that stuff just screams, hey, I'm in a camper. And there's nothing wrong with that. Being in a camper and saying, hey, I'm in a camper, that's fine. Stealth vans are for folks who want to park and not attract any attention. Not necessarily illegally. It's just you don't want any attention. You want to be left alone in your van. So the first thing we have to mention here is that there's actually no such thing as a stealth van. Almost never is your van going to be stealth. There are people you are not going to fool. The first of those is the police. They know what to look for. 
they know that if there's a van in a certain place at a certain time of night, if there's condensation on the windows, which you're almost always going to have, if there are little bumps on the roof that could be vents, they know what to look for. They know that you're in your van. So no matter how stealth you make it, the police know. The secret is they just don't care. If you're not a nuisance, if you move around, if you're not staying in the same spot over and over again, night after night after night, and you're not in a place that's marked for no parking, the police aren't going to care. And of course, there's the other group you're not going to fool, and that is the other van people. We know we've built our own vans. We can look at a van and say, oh yeah, see how they did that there? See that little hole there? Or, or see how that wire hangs that? There are clues. Now, we may not be 100% sure. In fact, there was a, a video I just watched on YouTube of a guy who was uh, talking about this wonderful, beautiful stealth van build, and it actually turned out to not be a stealth van. It was just some repairman's van. But <laughs> the point is that this repairman's van caught this guy's eye and was not blending into the background. So even though it was really a workman's van that this guy was holding up as the epitome of a stealth van... It wasn't completely stealth because he saw it. So you have to think here, what is your goal in having a stealth van? There are two schools of thought, and I've been in both of them as I progressed on my evolution of this project. The first thing is to kind of turn the stealth van into like an art project where you're trying to make your van look as much like a work vehicle as possible. Uh, and you can even go so far as to make up a fake business and put graphics on the side, you know, like Joe's plumber call for best service, whatever, put boring stuff on the side. And I actually had magnetic signs made up that I put on the outside of my van that actually said nothing. I mean, it looked like it was a business. It had a little graphic on it. It had the name of a business, but if you looked at it, there was no content there. And some people go to great lengths with this. And in fact, there are some folks who will make their vans. Here's, here's one I've seen where they'll make their van look like a geek squad van from Best Buy. And their thinking there is that they can always then park at any Best Buy at night and no one will know anything. Well, in some cases, this is not legal because you're actually representing yourself as being someone else's brand. So that's not so cool. But the other thing is anything that's on your van that's a word is memorable. So I have come around to the thought that if you want your van to be as stealth as possible, you don't want any writing on it. No vanity plate. You don't want any words on it at all. No fake businesses. Just leave it alone. Plain white van is going to be the most stealth thing that you can come up with. Now you could argue that, oh, what about a U-Haul van? It's like, well, yeah, you can buy used U-Haul vans, but they peel the logos off. And to me, that jumps out. If I see a used U-Haul uh, van or a Hertz van or something like that, and I see that the logo's missing, I'm just like, oh, what's going on with that? That's a used vehicle that someone bought. I wonder what it's for. And then I wonder if somebody's in there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Don't worry about stealth that much. The reason is that ultimately people don't care. What they care about is you making a nuisance of yourself. So there's a lot of press right now about, Homeless people living in vans, parking, or not actually vans, even RVs, parking them for months at a time, not being considerate with their wastewater, leaving trash everywhere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is bleeding over into the van life movement where people are just trying to travel and see places and such. 
If you want to do what's best, simply try not to call attention to yourself. That's the number one thing about stealth. Don't be a nuisance. Always be a good neighbor. Park at the Walmarts that allow you to park there. Park out of the way. Don't leave trash around. In fact, pick up some trash that you see laying around. Make your area around your van not attract any attention. Now, I have parked in some places that technically I shouldn't have. Um, like in the state of Georgia, rest areas, I believe, have a four-hour time limit for parking. I have issues with these policies. I think it's kind of ridiculous to ask tired people to drive. And you could argue, well, four hours is plenty. Well, not necessarily. But anyway, I understand that there's a reason they have that policy. Something went wrong. Somebody was a nuisance, and then they made the policy. Okay, fine. If I am tired, I will stop and sleep, even if it means technically breaking a rule, because I'd rather break a rule than drive while I'm sleepy. So I will pull into these places, and I will park out of the way, and my van is very nondescript. There's really not much to see on it, and I have never had a problem. And I don't think I ever will unless somebody actually complains. And this is the secret of stealth. Stealth is actually about creating a vehicle that nobody is going to complain about. Because the cops don't care. If you're sleeping in your van, you're not bothering anybody. They're not looking for a hassle. But if somebody calls them and say, hey, there's somebody in a van out front. I think they're up to no good. Yeah, then the cops have to respond. They're going to knock on your window, and then you've got that whole thing going. If you're new to van life, if you're just getting started, and you see all this stuff about stealth, and you're worried like, oh no, how can I put that fantastic vent on my roof? People will see it, or those solar panels are going to be so obvious. Don't worry about it. Do not sacrifice your comfort for the sake of stealth. Really, it isn't worth it. If you're kind and courteous and don't make a nuisance of yourself, you will reap all the benefits that the best stealth could ever give you. Tech Talk. Since we mentioned vents, let's talk about ventilation and what your options are for vents. Why do you need ventilation? There's, a, there's several reasons. Some of them are obvious and some aren't. But the most important reason you need ventilation in a van is because of moisture. Moisture is your enemy. Moisture will be your constant foe in your van. It is the thing that will greet you when you wake up in the morning. It's the thing that will make it uncomfortable at night. And ventilation is the only way we have for fighting moisture, other than preventing it from getting in the van in the first place. Moisture comes from you breathing. You breathe out a lot of water every day. Let's find out how much. Alexa, how much water is found in human breath? The average human exhales 0.35 liters of water each day. Thank you, Alexa. So 0.35 liters of water may not seem like a whole lot, but when it's in the air, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, and you're breathing that out every day. If you have a dog, it's also breathing it out. Plus you've got the natural moisture in the air. Let's add on to that the moisture that comes from you cooking in the van, if you do. Uh, you know, think about it. If you're boiling spaghetti and uh, there's steam coming up, that's a ton of moisture getting in there. And that's just moisture. You also want to ventilate for things like heat. Like in the summer, every single time I camped, I had to completely ventilate the van so that I could get to a comfortable temperature to sleep. I mean, that's kind of obvious. There are, if you're going to use any kind of combustion in your van where you're burning something in the van, propane, or if you happen to have a wood stove or anything like that, 
you definitely, definitely want ventilation. And propane is a, is a double-edged sword because not only is it adding gases to your van, such as carbon monoxide and certainly carbon dioxide, it also adds a ton of moisture because when propane burns, it releases water into the air. So there is no question that you want ventilation. Yes, you want it. Make a plan for it. Now, that said, what are your options? The thing I see used most often in vans are the Fantastic Fan and the Max Air Fan. These are fans that fit in a standard 14 by 14 hole in your roof. That does seem to be the standard size. And they're high velocity fans that extract an awful lot of air at once. People have different opinions on which is better. I think the Max Airs are probably on top right now because they have a number of options such as remote controls, reversible in and out, variable speeds. They can have temperature controls. So you can actually leave this thing on and while your van's parked out somewhere in the sun, it'll keep ventilating. And probably their most interesting feature is they have this innovative cover that when you turn on the fan, it will pop up and allow air to circulate without letting any water in at all. Um, if it's raining, you can use this thing on full blast without any risk of water getting in because the cover actually draws air from underneath itself rather than the top. Now I'll have links in the show notes where you can see this, but uh, that's a great feature of the Max Air. The Fantastic Fan, uh, some of the fancier ones have a water detection device that if it starts raining, they will close and shut off, but that's not as good. Either of them, though, is a great option for moving a lot of air in your van. And most people have two if they can. If you have a big van, you want two. One to suck in and one to blow out. So that's what you see most often. But they have some issues. They're expensive. You can spend as much as $300 for one. They take up a lot of real estate on the roof. So some people have a, a struggle with fitting their solar and their vents on the roof. And they add a bit of height, especially the Max Air. If you've got a high top van, you do not want to add any more height up there. You've already got problems. I know that if you get, say, a Dodge Promaster 2500 and you put an air conditioner on that roof, which is usually much taller than these vents, you're not going to be able to fit into most oil change places like a Jiffy Lube. So something else to consider. But there are other ventilation options you have. So in my van, I use a thing called a Ventline Van Air. Take a cereal bowl and turn it upside down and then stick it on the roof of your van. That's basically what mine looks like. There's a handle on the inside that I push up and that lifts it up. So it's pretty rainproof. Uh, there's never any opening that faces upward. And inside that is a squirrel cage fan. And uh, it's just basic on-off. I don't have any speed controls and I can't reverse it, although I certainly could if I just changed the switches. And uh, it's loud, but it does the job. It was much, much cheaper, and it takes up much less real estate on my roof. And some folks have actually used these underneath their solar panels. So they'll get a roof rack and put the solar panels on the roof rack and then put these underneath it. So that is a great option. Also, um, it's always a good idea to look at marine solutions for your van. What have they done on boats? They often use a, what's called a clamshell vent. Clamshell vents look a bit like, say, a dryer vent that you'd have in a house, but they're usually smaller and they're made out of more durable materials like chrome or a heavy ABS type of plastic. And some of these can be powered. You can have a fan that hooks up to them, or you can even find an integrated fan sometimes, but those seem to be crazy expensive. The ones I like, and I haven't actually done this, but I think it's an intriguing idea, 
have a duct attachment on the back so you could actually duct them. That means that you could have a big central fan somewhere and suck in air from all different places outside the van. So another thing to look at, the clamshell vent. And don't overlook the most basic form of ventilation that you can have, your windows. Now, if you don't care about stealth, you can install all manner of camper van windows that have sliders or jealousy windows. They open in many different ways and they have screens. Obviously, that's going to provide great ventilation. But they do advertise the fact that you have a camper van. They tend to break. They stick out. They have moving parts that are kind of fidgety. And if you're not careful, they'll let the rain in. So those are some things to consider with that. Also, don't forget the windows of your van, the front windows that go down. Those can create some really big holes. Now, if you roll down your front windows, you've got three problems. You have a security problem, you have a rain problem, and you also have a bug problem. So I have solved two of those problems by getting wind deflectors that fit over my side windows. I talked about this a few episodes back. Uh, I can roll down the front windows about an inch, which actually makes a big hole. And no one can get their hands in or even a wire would be difficult. And um, no way rain can get in unless there's a huge, crazy storm. Haven't solved the bug problem yet. Still working on that one. But um, that was a fair, I was $18. That was an $18 solution to add a whole lot of ventilation to my van. So those are some of the options you have. But I also have some cautions for you about ventilation. First, as I've mentioned, is height. Everything you put on the roof of your van is going to add height. And every time you add height to your van, you are limiting where you can go to some extent. My van exactly barely fits in some of the parking garages in Chicago. If I added anything else to the height, it wouldn't. If you do install a vent on the roof, make sure you measure your van. And just like they have in trucks, put a sticker on your windshield that tells you how high your vehicle is. And then, you know, add six inches to it just to be safe. Maybe the sign is wrong. Maybe your van is riding a little high that day for whatever reason. But, you know, be safe. You don't want to rip your roof off. Less obvious things to worry about with ventilation is letting stuff in the van you don't want in the van. Some of the extreme stealth folks like to put their vent fan, their vents in the floor of the van because obviously you can't see that from the outside at all. But you don't really want to suck things up from underneath the van. Uh, not only does it create a way for water and mud and dirt to dust to get in your van, it also creates an opportunity for exhaust to get in your van. And you really, really don't want that. So if you go that option, make sure there's a way to close it off very tightly. And then I would suggest that if you have a fan attached to that system, make sure it blows out down the bottom of the van, not suck in. I know a lot of people have vents for, say, their propane or their batteries that go out the bottom of the van. That's fine because those are typically for letting air out. Also, you have natural ventilation in the back of your vehicle. I don't care if you have a car or a van or whatever it is. In the quarter panels, which is the metal sheetwork behind the rear wheels, it's usually called the quarter panel, there are vents, and they actually do vent down sometimes. These are uh, for closing the doors is why these are here, because when you close the doors of your vehicle, you're creating a lot of air pressure in there. It needs to get out somewhere. So manufacturers have installed these vents. There's usually two, one on each side, and they have a, a rubbery flap that prevents air from coming in, but lets air out. When you're insulating, don't cover these up. You need them. 
and you can use them to help ventilate your van. If you have, say, a big fan in your ceiling and you're sucking air in, it's going to go out those vents. Definitely, definitely have ventilation. It's important. Tales from the road. So I found myself stuck in Texarkana for a weekend. Um, I was meeting somebody in Dallas. We were going to take a trip and they called me and said, I'm not going to be ready for a couple of days. And I had made it all the way to Texarkana and I was like, well, let's explore Texarkana. Where is Texarkana? Well, it's in the name. Texarkana, Texas, Arkansas. It is a town that straddles the border of Texas and Arkansas. It's kind of an industrial town and its uh, reputation is not great as a tourist destination. In fact, when I drove into town, the first thing I saw was this big, giant, kind of ugly building. And in this old-fashioned script writing, in probably 30 or 40 foot letters, it said, Grim. Yeah. Welcome to Texarkana. Turns out that was the Grim Hotel, which was an historic structure downtown. But I knew, I knew there was something interesting in Texarkana. And, and that's true for just about everywhere. And I found it. This uh, tale from the road is also going to serve as a place to visit. I found this place called the Ace of Clubs House. What an interesting name. I mean, it automatically makes you want to check it out. But it's called that because if you look from above, it's shaped like a club, a card club, like an Ace of Clubs. And it's an old mansion from the pre-Victorian era. I mean, it's one of the first major homes built in Texarkana. And it was... Interesting because the people who built this house were innovative. They wanted to solve problems just like you want to solve when you're doing your van build. You go in through the basement, which is interesting. The basement's kind of in a moat. It turns out that that moat was there to create an artificial form of air conditioning. Look at this. There's a theme here. We started off with stealth, then we went to vents, and now we're talking about ventilation in a place to visit. Ooh they would have the top windows open. I think it has a cellar story. So they were able to actually open up windows above the roof and that would draw air in from the cooler moat area down beneath and thus create natural ventilation and cooling. Very smart. Well, when I got there, I went through the door, which had a really cool old doorknob and one of those doorbells that you turned and it rang. And there's a little gift shop there, of course. And there was a, a guest book that you'd sign. When I signed the guest book, I noticed I was the only person who signed it in a week. Someone came out and uh, asked me for $6, which was the admission fee, which I gladly paid. And again, yeah, this was, you know, maybe 10 years ago. So I'm sure the price is different now. And she asked me to sign the guest book, which I had already done. And that told me that, yes, I was the first person to visit this place in a week. And for the next two hours, I got a private tour of this 10,000 square foot mansion filled with all kinds of antiques and just unusual things to see. When they turned the house into a museum, they did something clever. Every bedroom and every living room, dining room, whatever room it was, represent a different period of the home's history. After all, this place changed over time as different families came and went. So I followed the guide on my private tour and we kind of wandered through the house in a spiral fashion, starting at the bottom and going up. And the interior of the house obviously has to mirror this ace of clubs look. So you basically had a central room on each floor and then there were other rooms that came off of it in lobes. And each one of those rooms 
had what you could only describe as kind of a rolling garage door on it. And if they only wanted to heat certain parts, they'd pull these doors down and, and seal off the rooms. Really clever. Very well done house. Very nice tour. If you like touring old houses, definitely check it out. When we got to the top floor, there was a bedroom up there that was particularly creepy. And you know why. You've already guessed why. Yes, it was the little girl's room. And what was in that little girl's room? Dozens and dozens of staring, dark-eyed dolls just looking at you as soon as you walked in. You know, it's one of those things that sticks with you maybe a little bit longer than you want it to. I'm not going to tell you too much about the house because I want you to visit it for yourself. But it proved to me that there is actually something interesting everywhere you go. And I promise you that if you throw a dart at a map and dedicate yourself to finding the interesting thing there, you will. Because I found it in Texarkana, and holy cow, if you can find it in Texarkana, you can find it anywhere. So here's a product review of the ScanGage 2 Ultra Compact 3-in-1 Automotive Computer with customizable real-time fuel economy digital gauges. Holy cow, that's a long description. It's a little, it's kind of an ugly actually, little black box that plugs into your onboard diagnostics port on your vehicle if your vehicle was built in 1996 or later. That's actually called the OBD2 port is how you'll hear that referred to. What this little thing does is it monitors all your engine functions uh, and it does all kinds of things actually. It can tell you your speed, your fuel economy, your engine water temperature, your oil temperature, all kinds of things that I don't even know what they are. But it also will tell you what your error codes are. So whenever you, your check engine light comes on, whether it's red or yellow, any of those lights, they will generate a code and that code is stored in your computer and this device reads those codes and it can reset them. So if you have an older vehicle and you're throwing codes for whatever reason, use this device and it will tell you what the code is. It basically tells you a number that you have to look up on the internet. And then if it's something that's like not very serious, you can just reset it and you're done and you can go on with your life. This is a super handy thing. It saves you from having to go to the mechanic. And if you live in a state that does emissions checks, you can use this to make sure your vehicle is ready to go for emissions because it actually will tell you ready or not ready. It's very cool. They cost about $140. I've had mine for a couple of years. It works really well. My only complaint about the thing is that it's really, really ugly. It's just this rectangle of black plastic that is kind of hard to mount, at least in my van. But that said, it's a super handy thing to have and I really feel lost without it. It gives me all the gauges that I wish my van had that it doesn't. And you can display four of them at any one time. So I typically have up there um, fuel economy real time, fuel economy over the last tank, water temperature and volts. Those are the things I care about the most. And I can, I can tell if my split charge relay is on or not by the volts that are listed there. And uh, water temperature is always a useful thing. And I can't believe cars don't have gauges for that anymore, especially a van. Anyway, there are other things that do this. I've used this one and I like it. It's called the ScanGage 2 Ultra Compact 3-in-1 Automotive Computer. I bought mine at AutoZone. I'll also have a link in the show notes. Thrift shops, of course, are a great place to 
get stuff for vans. And uh, one way to actually build a van is to find a piece of furniture you really like, like a cabinet, and put that in the van and then build everything else around it. Uh, I would recommend you actually start by building the bed first and then building around that. But a lot of people will just find a piece of furniture that they love. You can obviously get these at thrift shops, but I want to recommend a specific place that isn't technically a thrift shop, and it's called the Habitat for Humanity Restore. Now, if you've heard of Habitat for Humanity, these are the folks that go out there and build homes for people for no charge. For whatever reason, folks are having hard times, whatever, they need a place to live. Habitat for Humanity will get volunteers together and go build these houses and let folks move in. In the course of building, though, they often end up with extra materials. Or sometimes they will be renovating a house and they'll be perfectly usable cabinets, but they don't fit in the house anymore because it's been renovated. So they bring these things to what's called the Restore. They have amazing stuff in there. It's mostly construction related, but you can find all kinds of little bits and bobs for your vans. And if you want to find like one interesting element for your van, like let's say you wanted to have like a chandelier because you want a chandelier or you wanted wall sconces or um, you're looking for some old style metal kitchen cabinets. You know, that's the kind of thing you'll find there. And the prices are excellent and your money's going to a good cause. You're helping folks find a place to live that, that isn't a van. <laughs> I don't think they do vans, although I should suggest that to them. That might be an interesting project. So I'll have a link in the show notes, but check it out. Habitat for Humanity Restore is a great place to find stuff. Well, thank you for listening to this episode 11. I'm absolutely humbled that you would spend this time listening to me. Music is by Sir Mouge, a.k.a. Simon Wag. And next time, we're going to talk about how to find free places to camp, what apps to use, what websites, that kind of thing. And for Tech Talk, a 12-volt microwave oven, which actually exists. We'll have a tale from the road about an enchanted highway. And we'll do a product review of CarPlay. So thank you very much. Go do something special for yourself today because you deserve it.